Good morning again. I know some of you thought this day would never come. I know my kids did. But we are going to finish the book of Ephesians today. It's been a long time coming. Uh, It's an amazing passage that we're going to be looking at. And we're going to be looking from verse 10 through to the end of Ephesians. Sorry, chapter 6, verse 10 through to the end of Ephesians. It's an amazing passage that uh, I just love. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth in it. Father, we just pray that as we open your word and examine your word, that the word of God itself will penetrate deep into our hearts and only the word of God will penetrate into our hearts, Lord Jesus. May this word be an encouragement and may only that which comes from your heart be shared this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Remember, Ephesians is a book that really speaks about our identity. Ephesians shares with us and tells us who we are. It says that we can be imitators of God. It says that we have been made new and created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It calls us to live a life worthy of knowing Jesus Christ. But in the beginning of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he has given us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know Christ more. Because it is only in the knowledge of Jesus Christ can we ever, ever find our identity and live up to it and so realistically although it's i call say that it's a book about revealing my identity it's also a call to know jesus that we can live up to that which he's created us to be because in ephesians chapter one it says the spirit of wisdom and revelation has been given to us that we may know christ that he will enlighten our hearts to the hope of our calling or as I paraphrase it, to our identity, to his inheritance. Everything that is his has been given to us and is found in his saints. And it says that we get to walk and to know the power that is for us, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Like this is an amazing scripture. It's an amazing book or or, or letter to the book of Ephesians that says, I want you to rise up. I want you to know Jesus Christ so that you can become everything that he created you to be. Everything that Jesus Christ came to redeem you to be and everything that the Holy Spirit is molding you and shaping you to become so that you can walk it out. I love God in three and how they work together for our sake that we can live up to his original intent, original purpose, original value, original worth that he created. Because before the foundation of the world was laid, he saw you and he loved you. And despite the fact that he knew that you would stumble and you would fall into darkness and you would become darkness itself and enemies of his, Before anything was created, he saw you and knew you and loved you and love never fails. So he could not walk away and he could not create everything that was created for your sake that you would come and live despite the fact that he knew it would cost his very son. Like That's an amazing concept. That is what we've remembered around the Lord's table. That's the amazing love that he would sacrifice the best of heaven, that he would sacrifice his very son because he loves you. And Paul is saying, now with that knowledge, 
I want you to know who you are. I want you to rise up and I want you to become who the Father created you to be. And I want you to live it and be empowered by it. And to imitate God and represent Him in true righteousness and godliness. It's this amazing verse. And then last week, if you recall, Paul then says, now that you know who you are and now you know who you've been equipped to be, I want to tell you something. That Jesus left his father to become one flesh with you, that you will be intimate with him, have an intimate communion with him, that you will know him so intimately that he will never leave you, that you will never be alone, that you will not be an orphan because he will live in you for the rest of your days. Like, I, I am one flesh with Jesus. That's what it says there. That's what we looked at last week. That's an amazing concept. So Paul is saying, now that you know who you are, you know Christ, you're pressing into Christ, you know who you are, you know the intimacy that you can have with Jesus Christ. This is where we pick up what we're going to look at this morning. And it says in verse 10, it says, finally... So Paul is saying, after I've shared everything about your identity, about the intimacy you can have with Jesus Christ, he says, finally, I want to share one last thing with you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love that. I love that. Be strong in the Lord. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? It means to know Jesus Christ. It means to know him so intimately that he changes us and transforms us so that we will walk, we will walk as he walked. 1 John 1 1 calls us to walk as Jesus walked. To be strong in the Lord is to be so molded and shaped into the very image and the likeness of Jesus Christ as much as we can so that we will walk as he is, so that the things of this world cannot shape us. Because we know Jesus and Jesus is King and King Jesus lives in me. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What power is that? It's not my power. It's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to be strong in his power. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You are to be strong in that. Wrap your heads around that for a moment. He has called us to be strong in his mighty power, to walk in the power of Jesus Christ. If we stop and pause and meditate on that for a moment, we begin to realize that nothing, nothing is impossible. Because we know Jesus, we know our identity, who he's called us to become. We know he's in me. King Jesus is in me. I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What could Jesus not do? Jesus' mighty power could do anything and he calls us to be strong in his mighty power. It's a call for you and I to rise up and to walk in our true identity of what he created us to be. The light and the salt of the world. To be able to influence and change every situation. You see, Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord over everything. Over sickness, over death, over mental illness, over everything that we are going through, over everything that we endure. Jesus is king. And we get to walk in his mighty power. If we're strong in him. 
be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You see, he's created us to be mighty warriors for the kingdom of God. We are, we are warriors of Jesus Christ. And therefore, the very next verse says, put on the full armor of God. Because a warrior does not go into battle without equipping himself and without being dressed for the occasion, without wearing the appropriate armor. And so Paul says, put on the armor of God, the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's important so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Who is, who is the victor? It's the one who stands. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. I want to say... Your battle is never against flesh and blood. Your battle is never against another human being. Jesus Christ, when he was hanging on the cross, he didn't curse those who put him there, did he? What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Were they enemies of the Father? They did not know Jesus Christ? Yes. But if they knew their identity, if they knew Jesus Christ, if they knew the Lord, if they knew what they were created to be, they never would have done it. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know why you created them. They don't know why I am here. Forgive them. Our battle is never against flesh and blood, but always against the spiritual powers and principalities and the evil forces in this world. Always against that. And that's why we need this armour that he tells us to put on. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand. So that when the devil and his wiles and his ways come against us and push against us, we can stand in that place because we are mighty in the Lord's power. Because we've been strengthened in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. For the devil has no power and authority over me except that which I give him because Jesus is my king and Jesus lives in me. So no matter what comes our way, and I know it's tough, no matter what comes our way, the world should have no ability to shape us because Jesus Christ has bought our life. And our life belongs to him. He shed his blood to buy us. No one else has shed their blood to purchase my life. And so he owns me. My life is his. And so the world does not have the ability to shape me because I will not give it to the Because Jesus Christ is the one who owns my life. So no matter what comes my way, he remains king and I will endure and with my eyes set upon who he is in the heavenly realms and who he's created me to be to live out the best of my ability in the midst of this world. Therefore, verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. In a boxing match, there's two opponents, isn't there? Who's the victor? The one at the end who is still standing. Jesus, Paul is saying here, 
you will be victorious in, in being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power in the midst of everything that Satan throws your way. You can be victorious because you will be the one still standing. How do we resist the devil? James tells us, submit to God, therefore. Resist the devil and he will flee. See, in the act of submitting to the Father, submitting to God himself, in that very act, we are resisting the devil. And the devil must flee. He must leave us because he cannot be in our presence because we are in the very presence of God Almighty. In the act of submitting, see, to resist the devil is not telling the devil to flee. To resist the devil is coming before Jesus Christ and saying, I worship you and you are king and you and you alone are my Lord. In that moment, in that place, the devil must flee. This amazing thing that God has given us the ability I like to think of it in part of the battle of resisting the devil, in the part of the battle of being able to stand. I like to give the devil the silent treatment. Because what he wants is he wants to be put up. He wants to be lauded. He wants to be acknowledged. He wants everything that Jesus Christ is. He wants to be affirmed. He wants, even if, even if we don't like him, he wants acknowledgement. I refuse to give it to him. And so when, when he comes against me, I'm going to praise Jesus Christ and I'm going to ignore the devil and his schemes. I'm going to ignore his ways and I'm going to thank the Father in all things that I'm his son and he, I belong to him. I'm not going to give the devil his time of day because that's what he wants. Because he knows that if I get my eyes onto him, all of a sudden he's got a chink in my armor. All of a sudden he can come against me. All of a sudden he can keep my eyes on him and off of Jesus Christ who we're told to be strong in. So when things come your way, whatever they are, get down and worship the Lord and praise him. And exalt him and get your eyes back on to Jesus Christ in a stronger way. And acknowledge his lordship and his kingship. Acknowledge that you are his. And all of a sudden you're resisting the devil and he will flee. And you are the one victorious standing in the ring. You are the one standing when he comes against you. Stand firm then. And this is where Paul starts to talk about what the armour of God actually is. And he's going to tell us what this armour is. And I want to say that the armour of God is not to be put on in the morning and taken off at night and then put on a few weeks later. It is something that we put on and we keep on. It's something that we live in, live with, live by. It's something that we become so clothed with it that it's with us always. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What is the belt of truth? What is truth? Sorry? Word of God? Yes. I'd say the word of God It is truth and it's been exalted. But I would say that truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. And I say that not... Not to contradict you, because further down it says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. 
So truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 says that Jesus came in truth or grace and truth. He is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. So to put on the belt of truth is to know Jesus Christ so intimately that it's like that he is enwrapped around you because the truth is he lives in you and you in him. And we looked at that last week. To put on the belt of truth is to know Jesus Christ and to submit to him, to understand all that he has done, all that he has achieved, all that he has conquered, and the fact that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that he has allowed you to become a king because he is King of kings. You are the king that he is king over. You see, to put on the belt of truth is not only to know Jesus Christ, but to understand all that he has accomplished for your sake. To understand what he did was for you and who you can become because of what he has done. That is truth, because truth has come to set you free. That's a scripture verse that comes from the word of God. Truth sets you free. Jesus Christ is truth who came to set you free. That you could live up to and into Jesus Christ and know the Father and the one who he sent, which is eternal life. So put on the belt of truth. Know Jesus Christ. Know who he created you to be. Know the good things that he's laid out in, in advance for you to do so that you can go on and do those things. So that you can carry them out. Be led by the Spirit of God that Jesus has placed in you because you've believed in him. And be led by him so that you can walk in every way to do that which he desires for you to do. Philippians chapter 3. It's, it's this amazing chapter and I'd encourage you to read it and to meditate on it. And it says, take hold of that for which Jesus Christ has taken hold of you. Take hold of that for which Jesus Christ has taken hold of you. It says in another verse, it says, I want you to live up to that for which you have already received. Because we've received everything and it's a call for us to rise up. And how have we received it? Through what Jesus Christ accomplished in his death and resurrection. Put on the belt of truth. Know Christ, know who you are and begin to walk in that truth. And no matter what the devil says against you, you see, this is, this is part of the schemes of the devil. He'll come up to you and he'll say, Ah, oh, Grant, you're no good to anyone. Look at you, you're just a sinner. You're worthless. Why, why would God ever love you? We've all had those thoughts, haven't we? Or is that just me? We... What, what value are you, Grant? Look at what you've done. You're worthless. In that moment, it's important that we know truth. It's important that we know that we are valued and loved by the Father in heaven. Because the devil always speaks lies. Because he comes to steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. What does he want to do? He wants to steal your identity from you. He wants to destroy the work of Jesus Christ in, in your life. And he wants to kill off the word of God living in you. 
And you must resist that and know the truth and rise up and come back to the Father. Father, I just thank you that even though I may not see that I am worthy, that you say that I am worthy and I know that I'm worthy because Jesus Christ, you laid down your life for me and you wouldn't have done it if I had no worth to you. Thank you that you love me so ultimately and so intimately. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness. I've preached here for for a number of years now and you know how important righteousness is. Righteousness. And, And the fact is that the righteousness is not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ given unto us. Which is why I can stand here and say I am the most righteous person who's ever walked the face of the earth. Because it's Christ Jesus' righteousness given unto me. And you can make the same proclamation if you're in Jesus Christ. And did you know that it says in scripture that grace flows to the righteous. Righteousness is like the conduit on which grace flows. And grace is that which strengthens you to live according to original value and original purpose. Grace is that which strengthens you to rise up to become that which the Father created you to be. Be righteousness so so that you are righteous. You see, Jesus Christ didn't come to make everything right. He didn't come to make you right. He came to make you righteous so that you can stand in front of the Father knowing that you're accepted. Stand in front of the Father so that he will embrace you. Stand in front of the Father that you will know that you are welcome into his presence at all times, at any occasion, no matter what you have done, because you are righteousness. A righteousness you have not earned because it's a gift given unto you. Philippians chapter 3 says, consider everything, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, that I may find Christ and be gained, sorry, that I may gain Christ and be found in Christ. And my paraphrase is um, that you, that I will have a righteousness given to me that is not earned but is a gift. Because it's the gift of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if we explore, and, and those who have heard me speak before, you know what the kingdom of God is, because it says so in Romans. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, it's not anything outside of us, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. And so Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. He's saying, But seek first my righteousness, my peace and my joy, especially my righteousness. It's so important that we have righteousness and a knowledge of our righteousness because if ever we feel unrighteous, we are not going to go towards the Father, but we're going to go and try and hide just as Adam and Eve did. We're going to run from the Father. But if we know that we are righteous no matter what we do, because his righteousness is given to us in any circumstance, in everything, we can run towards the Father and embrace the Father and know that he will not reject us, but he will embrace us and accept us and give to us everything that we need. You need to know your righteousness, especially when the devil comes against you and starts declaring when you mess up and and you do things and sin and and do things that you know you ought not to or don't do things that you think that you should. And the devil says, oh, look at you. God won't accept you. You need to then say, but I am righteousness in Jesus Christ. 
My father will always accept me and I'm running to him right now. Because whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do the opposite. And you're going to push me, push me into knowing Jesus more. I heard it said once by a minister, he said, if ever I get to meet Satan in person, I'm going to thank him. Because I've made a pact in my life that whatever he says, whatever he, whenever he tries to come against me, I'm going to, it's going to push me towards Jesus Christ. And I'm so much stronger in the Lord now because of everything that he's tried to do. Because every time he comes against me, I know the truth that I'm righteous, that I will always be accepted, and I'm going to run towards the Father. What a beautiful way. What a beautiful way to think. I'm going to use the devil. I'm going to use him to know Christ more. Now, be, be, be a little careful and, and wary in that thought. But, but in everything, in, in everything, whatever circumstances in your life, whatever's going on, use it to push, press into Jesus Christ, to know the Father, to come towards him, because you are righteous and he will never reject you and he will never not accept you, but he will embrace you in that moment. And be there for you, because you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Readiness of the gospel of peace. James, I'll, I'll read this verse to make sure that I actually get it, get it right. James chapter I think it is James chapter 3 verse 18 it says peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness peace be ready be, be ready with peace because peacemakers and we have been set as place as peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. Isn't that what we want to do? Don't we want to not only raise our righteousness within ourselves but in every person that we encounter? Don't we want to be able to be peacemakers with those who do not know Jesus Christ? Don't we want to be peacemakers to every person that we encounter? So whether it's between them and the Father or between one another, we want to be peacemakers and bring it that ultimately it will reap right a, a harvest of righteousness for his glory and his kingdom's sake that we may have fellow brethren, brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God because we go out and we sow in peace. Matthew chapter 5, I think it is. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers... Blessed are the peacemakers. Why are they, why are they blessed? Because their ministry is about reconciliation. Reconciling men to God and men to men. Why are they blessed? Because that's the very ministry of Jesus Christ. We get to operate in the very ministry of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons of God. 
Why will they be called sons of God? Because we're operating in the same ministry as Jesus Christ himself. And we can only do that when we know Christ Jesus, when we've died to ourselves to live for Jesus Christ. We can only be peacemakers if we are children of God. And he says, you will be very blessed when you are peacemakers. And therefore, it's very, very important that we do not allow the world to make us embittered. Is that even a word? To make us bitter. It's very important that we do not become offended by the world. And it's very important that we do not carry unforgiveness in our life. Because if we carry unforgiveness in our life, how can then we go out and bring about peace when there's no peace within us? And so if you've got any unforgiveness in your life, I urge you, I implore of you, repent of that. Repent of that. Get rid of it. Totally be stripped clean of it and take it away from you that you will become a peacemaker. And in fact, take it a step further when you repent of it, when you forgive that person, then start to pray for their blessing. Pray that the Father in heaven will bless them in every circumstance, in every way. That you will not be imprisoned with unforgiveness in your life. Because if you are, you will not be able to be an effective peacemaker. You'll be not ready to go out and minister in peace. Because you'll be lacking it in here. Jesus says, forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. If Jesus can say that when they've hung him on a cross to kill him and beaten him beyond human likeness and he's endured everything and the words that come out of his mouth with a pure heart is forgive them. Then we can forgive those who come against us. We can forgive everyone. It's so important that we do it because blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. With the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, I love this one. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It is faith, it is faith that extinguishes the flaming arrows. Every attempt that the evil one comes against you, it is by faith that we can overcome. The only thing that matters is faith expressed as love. And so therefore, you and I need to become love so that in every act of faith, we can do so as love. Anything that is not faith is sin. Faith is so important. But these three remain. The great, these three remain is faith, hope and love. We need to live life as love. Just as you have received Jesus Christ. So be, be grounded and rooted and built up in faith in him. You see, it's not just faith is not just coming to know Jesus Christ. Faith is not saying just a, a, a sinner's prayer and hoping to get to heaven one day. 
faith is about being grounded and rooted and established in Jesus Christ to every day to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is king, that I am his and he's made me as more than a conqueror, that I can live to endure and to overcome all things. Faith is something that we grow in every day to grow in him and it's only discovered and we can only grow our faith as we know Jesus more and the revelation of the word of God comes into our heart and penetrates us and develops us and molds us. It is faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy and we have to make sure that every day We're growing in Christ Jesus, that we're growing in life so that we can extinguish every single fiery dart of the enemy. And that means when he shoots those arrows at us and or when he whispers things in our ears that we know are not from the Father or when random thoughts come into our minds, as I know that they do, that we submit to God through faith because we know the truth. And we come back and we worship him and say, Father, I know that this thought's popped in my mind and I know that it's of you. But right now I just come to you and I submit myself and I surrender before you because I am yours because you've molded me and you've shaped me. And Jesus Christ has laid down his life for me and I only want to do that which you desire for me to do. Faith is so important. The only thing, as I said, the only thing that matters is faith expressed, shown through love. Again, that comes straight from the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation. That's often misunderstood because we often think of salvation as an act, as a one-time act that we are saved when we say the sinner's prayer. But that's not what this word means. This word means so much more than that. You see, one of the things that that a lot of Christians believe is that they'll say the sinner's prayer, they, they will enter into salvation, and then they have to endure through life until one day they get to heaven. That's not what the Father's intent is. The Father's intent is that you'll step into eternal life through knowing Jesus Christ and know him. That you will be his light and his salt in the midst of the world. That you will speak and decree things and open doors that no one can shut and shut doors that no one can open. That you will be an influencer in the midst of the world to shape it so that you can bring the kingdom of God down into this world. So that other people may know that we can, because we carry the glory of God so that wherever we go, the glory of God goes. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You see, what his desire is for us is not to endure, but to reign in life. Only two things will reign. Either sin reigns in your life or you are designed to reign in life. We get to reign no matter what's going on because we have the attitude of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2. The attitude of Jesus Christ. The things around him didn't shape him. And he reigned despite the fact that he laid down his life and died. He reigned in life. And he calls us to have the same attitude that we will shape the world to raise a harvest of righteousness. You see, salvation actually means 
to be to be covered by his peace, to have his protection, to to have his healing and his health, to to walk in his glory, to walk in in all that he has. Salvation means to be protected and covered by him in any and every circumstance. So that whatever you endure, whatever you go through, you know that you have been redeemed and you've been equipped and you've been established to go through it, to endure it and to conquer it. Put on the helmet of salvation. Makes so much more sense when it's stated like that, doesn't it? That it's not a one-time effect, but it's actually for me walking in the salvation of Jesus Christ, which protects me and secures me, which allows me to rise up and to walk as he intended that I do, that the things of the world, no matter what comes against me, I have to endure it, but I can do so and live through it and endure and press on through it. Because I have his salvation. Take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. This is the sword of the spirit. Amen. Which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it says in the word of God that it will divide between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, and expose the thoughts and attitudes of your heart. You see, the sword of the spirit, it's a powerful weapon. And it is not to be abused. Because many people wield this in anger, in frustration. Many people will quote scripture just as, as a way to win an argument or get back at someone. And it can do a lot of damage. The sword of the spirit is to be used in love. The sword of the spirit is to be used but carefully. Start Start by wielding the sword of the Spirit within your own life. Holy Spirit, I give you this word. Take it and wield it against me. And divide in me between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And expose every thought and attitude in my heart. Because I don't want anything in me that is not found in Jesus Christ. Destroy everything if it's not in him. I don't want it in me because I've died to that. I've laid down self. I've laid down selfish attitudes. I've laid down all that stuff. I've died to it in fact. And so if it's still in me, expose it in me so that no corruption and impurity is left in me. Because all I want is Jesus Christ and everything that is found in him. Start there. And so that when you go and you meet with people and you're using the sword of the spirit, the word of God, it's coming out from a position and a perspective of love that I'm going to share this with you because I want your best intent. I want you to know Jesus Christ. I desire to minister to you that you will know his goodness because his goodness will set you free. I will not use it to condemn you. But I will use it to draw you into Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to say that I won't use it as to point out sin and what sin is. I'm not saying that at all. But it comes always with an attitude of love. What does the Father want me to share right now with this person in front of me? And how can I take the sword of the Spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, to plant a seed? To speak into their life for his, their goodness and their blessing.
The sword of the Spirit. In fact, the sword of the Spirit is actually the only offensive weapon of the armor of God. Everything else actually is put on and becomes who we are. And in fact, in that extent, right now as I share, it comes to me that the Word of God should be put on and become who we are too. Because we should be a living epistles of the very Word of God that would be planted in our heart. But that, that's the weapon that we get to use for his glory and his goodness. And then Paul goes on and he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I just noticed the time. Yeah. See, the very next verse, and I'll finish with this. It says, Pray also for me that wherever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I feel like people have been praying for me this morning because I feel like that passion has been given unto me. Look, I'm going to finish there, and this is the end of Ephesians. The next few verses, and it's only uh, two or three verses, go and read them by yourself, but, but effectively he's wrapping up. But I want you to know, I want you to know that this book is to equip you, is to call you into Jesus Christ, that you will live up to his calling that is placed on your life to know him intimately and be prepared against every scheme of the enemy. It's about you knowing your identity, that he has set you free for freedom's sake. Pray with me. Father, I just pray your blessing upon this church. I pray that you will bless them in every way. Lord Jesus, equip them with the armour of God and continue to grow them in every effort, in every aspect of it. Lord Jesus, that they will be salt, that they will be light in the midst of the world, that they will shine forth the glory of God and that in every place, in every circumstance, they will season that, that event, that place for the kingdom of God. Jesus, bless them, I pray. In your holy name. Amen. Go in peace. Go in joy. Go in love. And know who you are in Jesus Christ. God bless you all.